Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. share with you something that encourages you in the word of God. Uh, I gave this sort of a strange title tonight. Um, Jess contacted me, you know, God bless you, Jess. I know you're watching from, from foreign shores, soon to be here back home with us in Ireland. But she does all this great work for us online and she, she puts up the bits and pieces and we love this girl. But uh, she asked me for a title and I can't remember what the title was. I think I gave the title of uh, Money, Wives and Taxes. Does anybody know where my text is going to be? Partick does. You're too smart, Partick. Do you don't know where the text is? Give me, come on, shout it out. Tell me what you think. We're all waiting. We're actually going to the book of Samuel. And we're going to go to a story that's probably one of the best known stories in the Bible. One of the best. It's tremendous. Actually, in fact, I'd love if Mel Gibson did a chronological history movie of the Old Testament because it's gripping. The Bible, as I've said to you many, many times, is the only book on this planet that tells you how we started, where we started, why we started, how it fell, and how it's getting recovered, and what will happen at the end, and how it will all end at the end. Amen? It takes these ambitious, it doesn't take an ambitious step, it tells you the reality because it's the truth of God's word, and science is catching up with the Bible. So the history is phenomenal. The history of Israel, of course, is the history that, of the people that God elected to bring about the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So when you read your Old Testament of the Bible, it's all the history of Israel, where God takes from, from one man, Abraham. He says to Abraham, I'm going to bring a seed out of you. I'm going to bring a nation out of you. I'm going to give you a homeland. And out of that part of the world, out of your lineage, out of you will come a seed that will save the entire world. Amen. That would take away the sins of the world. And so the story of the Old Testament is all the story how God elects a people called Israel, brings them, forms them, brings them out of, after 500 years of bondage. They're slaves in Egypt for 500 years, folks. You know, they have nothing but slave mentality. They, they've been they, they're mistreated. They haven't been educated well. They're, they're ignorant. You know, they're, they're, they're backward in their thinking. They're, they're awkward to deal with all the educational problems you think you'd have. You know, so us pastors, of course, when we start churches and minister, you know, it's not that we always get the most intellectual group, not saying that you guys are dim-witted out there tonight watching, but some of you are, amen. And like me, I was dim-witted until Christ came and ordered my mind. But the thing about it is that Israel was far more dim-witted. 500 years of bondage, no education. Didn't even know who their God was. They'd lost sight of who he was. Moses didn't even know his name. Yet there was a promise over them. It tells you that salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. And God knew what he was doing. So he elects Israel to himself. He delivers over hundreds of years. We know the great story of the ten plagues of Egypt and how God brings Moses as a deliverer, brings him through the Red Sea, brings him eventually into a promised land. It's, that's the storyline of the Bible. God bringing Israel into the promised land, into the land of Israel, the land that they are now here again in today. And from that land, of course, all the stories of your Old Testament start to start to transpire. How Israel began to go to and fro in their relationship with God. One minute they loved Him, the next minute they just forgot about God. Does it sound familiar? 
lest you think it's just Israel and the Jews. It is a common problem with all flesh. I've been at some of the greatest conferences, and you have been there with me, church, as well. Man, Summer Fire Conference, I, you know, we haven't had it for a couple of years. People are asking about it. We're praying into it. But how many times have you said, man, this is the great, I've never sensed God so powerful. This has been the greatest effect in my life. And two weeks later, you know, things are coming into your thought process or out of your mouth that not very flattering, you know. You're not as passionate in your love for him as you were two weeks earlier. Have you ever noticed that? Have you? But the wonderful thing about it is that he's still passionate about you. So there's hope today. Amen. If there's a life on your passion and your strength, God help you today. But God has fashioned a nation in Israel and out of that nation, eventually Jesus Christ. But we're taking a portion of scripture here where eventually Israel just Israel wants a king. It doesn't want to be ruled by God. It was what we called a theocracy at one time, where God himself spoke directly out of the cloud and out of the fiery pillar. And, and then he elected them to himself judges or Elohim. In the book of Judges, is all the different, Samson was a judge. You know, there was all these different judges that ruled over Samuel, other people like that, that ruled over the people. But they were spiritual judges. They were elected by God, not by man. It wasn't a democracy. It, it wasn't like any other nation on the planet at that time. They had no king. They had no sort of center man. Yet God, through these, for hundreds of years, these, these, uh, these judges ruled. But eventually, the people didn't want that. It, was, it wasn't sophisticated enough for them you know they they wanted to look like more legitimate like the other nations they wanted a king and of course you know that that, that was a departure from God you know they were saying well we, we, we like having you protecting us but you know we can do a bit more on our own like we, we can handle this by ourselves you can back off a little bit God I hope there's no one like that here tonight in your Christian walk I bet you that there is I bet there is because I'm talking from experience tonight, amen. Because <laughs> if, if I did it, you did it. That's the truth of it. We're all the same. And so they back God off and they elect unto themselves kings. And the first king of Israel was a man called Saul. And Saul was a very mixed man. He was a mixed up man. He was a man that lacked faith, a man that was disobedient, a man that was just given to his own passions. He wasn't really listening to the word of the Lord. He took very flippantly his call. And as a result, you know, got Israel into a lot of mischief, a lot of defeats with the, the arch enemies, the Philistines. And so that was, that was Saul's legacy, and, and God had rejected Saul, even though, even though God elected him, and God said, anoint Saul to be the first king over Israel, because Saul was such a, it's, it's, it's like, the only thing I say, he's like a slippery eel, you know, you could never get hold of Saul, Saul always had an excuse for what, you know, he could never take it on the chin, that he got it wrong. You know, at one stage, I mean, in, in, in his pseudo-spiritual behavior, thereafter, it's a victory that his son Jonathan, who was a spiritual man, had garnered. You know, he went up and, and, and stormed into a, a Philistine camp of, I think, 50 troops or something like that. And he, he single-handedly took them on and won a victory there. And there was a, an earthquake that shook, and they knew God was moving. And a battle happened. And of course, Saul, after the battle was won, he's chested out. Nothing to do with him. And he says, oh, if anybody... Eat any food until I say so. I declare a fast unto the Lord. And if he does, he will certainly lose his life. And his own son starts to eat some honey. knows nothing of the commandment. And of course, this was the sort of leadership of Saul. It was, it was all these pseudo-spiritual talk out of his mouth and bravado talk. And he could never really do much. It was all talk. It was really no action at the end of the day. And so God had rejected him. And a young boy called David, 13 to 14 years of age, he was sought out by the prophet Samuel, and God said, you're to anoint him. And he was a very unlikely candidate. Enough about that at the moment. But we're reading tonight about him. He's roughly 15 or 16 years of age at this portion of the scripture. Saul is king. 
the, the arch enemies of Israel are the Philistines. The Philistines were a seafaring people that came from the land of Crete, sailed into Israel, started an encampment there, much like the sort of Vikings of the past. They were a fearsome people. They were more mechanized than the Jews. They had more technology in the sense that they were able to mass produce iron. And as a result of that, their weapons of warfare were stronger than the bronze. And Israel had a limited amount of iron, but it didn't have the same mechanizing. So when it came to pitching a battle, you know, if you're, you're going to wield a bronze sword, and you're going to bring an, Irish, an, an iron sword, you, you know, which one is going to blunt quick, which, was not, which one is going to fall apart. Same with their spears and their arrows, etc. So technologically wise, the Philistines had the upper hand when it came to battle. And so they were always, and, and so this was a pain in the side of Israel all the time. And, uh, and it was always a result of Israel kind of backing away from God. It's a little bit, the storyline, actually the history of Israel plays out like our own spiritual lives. You know, when we walk with the Lord, there is a power in us and through us. Amen. But when we start backing away from God, we start to see these slip-ups in our lives and the enemy starts to come in and begins to taunt us. And you know, a, lot of, a lot of mischief happens, in, unnecessary mischief, may I add, happens in our own Christian walks as a result from us going cold in our hearts to the Lord. And, you know, as the old songwriter said, oh, what needless pain we bear. You know, needless. You know, there's so much own goals we, we, uh, we, we score on ourselves. We scored more own goals than that poor Danish guy. I think he scored like four or six own goals in the Euros against his own team, you know. We, we score more own goals against ourselves because of our foolishness. Uh, and, and not walking with the Lord and not heeding the voice of the Lord and not spending time with God. And anyway, this was Israel's portion. So we're, we're at 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I, I'm going to give you readings. Uh, and, and for the sake of young Christians here tonight, I had to give you a context. A lot of other Christians on the road a while might be yawning. I hope not. But uh, they would know the story well. But David and Goliath, as I said, is a well-known story. But uh, let, me, let, me, let me bring it to you from verse, 17, cha- verse 1, chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and they were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. So they invaded into Judah. And they encamped between Soko and Azekah in the Ephes Damin. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah. And they drew up battle arrayments against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on one side of the mountain, Israel stood on the other side of the mountain, and there was a valley in between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, roughly nine feet, nine inches. He was a pretty big guy, okay? We've had a couple of tall people in church, but nobody quite nine, nine yet, okay? Not far off at sometimes. He had a bronze helmet, sorry, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, that weighed, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's roughly 125 pounds weight was his armor. That's a lot of, that's a lot of weight, that's like carrying Andy Finn in your back. You're probably a bit more than that, Andy. Yeah, you are a bit more than that. I know you, t- I know you went into the sort of long-term fastings. Uh, everyone's talking about that in the church, how you've gone for these fast, 12-hour fast to lose weight, but you're still north of him. <laughs> He's sitting right in front of me, so I can have a bit of a go at him tonight. But and it's, like carrying, it's like carrying your wife or someone on your back. That's a lot of weight. That was the armory he had. He had a... Um, he had a javelin between his shoulders, and the javelin was, uh, what it said, the javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, 
and the shield bearer went before him. 600 shekels, roughly 15 pounds weight was his javelin. That's a feral weight to try to wield 15 pounds in battle and throw a javelin 15 pounds. So, so, so he was a big man with a lot of army. Then he stood and he cried out uh, to the armies of Israel and he said to them, why have you come out to line up against me? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines, and the, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Greatly afraid. Say greatly afraid tonight. Have you ever been greatly afraid? I'm sure you have. If you haven't, it means you're kind of brain dead or something like that. You know, you're not really in contact with the world. This is not an easy world to live in. And if you haven't been greatly afraid, you will have times of great fright in your life. But I'm here to tell you that there's a reason for you not to be afraid. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a reason for you not to be afraid. And when you get a revelation of that reason too, friends, it gives you great confidence. So let's go down. Um, I'm going to, for the sake of preamble, Jesse, who is David's uh, father, sends David down into the battle. His brothers, his three older brothers have gone into the battle. And so now we're going to take the reading from verse 17. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephod of dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of their thousands and see how your brothers fare and bring back news to them. Now Saul and they all and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines and David rose early in the morning left the sheep with the keeper took the things which Jesse had commanded him and he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight shouting for the battle now I just want you to picture it they were just going out every morning shouting that's all that was happening okay both armies would come down a little bit they'd shout insults across the way at each other and so the deal was this none of them really probably wanted to fight each other it was going to be a lot of bloodletting so the philistines who would probably would have come out the better of the skirmish there the truth be told because as i said they were more advanced technologically wise you know they offered an opportunity come out and fight our champion if our champion wins then you become our servants or slaves and if your champion wins then we become your servants or slaves so there's a lot for at stake here you know there's a lot at stake our wives and our children back home we're going to leave under penal servitude to the philistines who were not noted for their humanitarian uh, uh, you know <laughs> works let me tell you they weren't members of the united nations or anything like that or they didn't sign up to the geneva convention you know these boys were brutes and <laughs> if they if they put their foot on your neck it was to it was to end your life and not to not to do anything else so they weren't they weren't uh, guys to be trifled with so you know this is what was happening every day they're coming out and they're shouting at each other but nothing's happening and they had drawn up their battle lives. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers. Then he talked with them. And there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the men, when he saw, when he saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And it should be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. Here we go. Give him his daughter. There we are. And exempt his father's house from taxes. Wow, how some people are motivated to live. 
Man, they want money, a good wife or a husband, and to live tax-free in the Bahamas. Amen. And so the motivation of some, the army of God, these are the people of God, they're, they're not motivated for the testimony of God. They're not motivated that this is the land of Israel given to them by God. They're not motivated that they are the promised people of God. No, no, the, 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 the motivation is, uh, you know, if someone goes up and has enough courage, you know, to pony up to this guy, he's going to get the king's daughter. He's going to get wealth and he won't have to pay any tax in it. Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the Lord, the king will enrich. Then David spoke to the men who stood by, stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now sometimes we can read over the scripture and we miss what David is actually saying here. See, David is speaking a deeper thought. David is not on the same level as these men. David sees higher. See, when he says uncircumcised, he's saying that this Philistine does not have a legal right to come into this land because this is for the circumcised of God. This is for the covenant people of God. Circumcision was the mark of the covenant that they were God's people and this uncircumcised has no legal right. There's nothing emboldens a man more than to stand for the truth, friends. Nothing emboldens a man more to stand up when he knows he's right. When he knows he's legally right. You know what it's like. You know, when you have to go back with a refund and you know you've got the law on your side. Or if you've gone over your 21 days, you kind of sheepishly go and say, <clears throat> and they check the receipt and you kind of grovel and you want to get your... But when you're within your rights, uh-huh, I'm telling you, it's a different spirit. Amen. <laughs> Nothing emboldens you more to know that you have a legal right to be here. And he has no legal right here. And that's what he's saying. This uncircumcised, this man has no legal right to defy the armies of the living God. Big talk of the little boy. Maybe 15 years of age. But he's tenacious. The others have lost faith, friends. They have lost confidence in the fight. And it takes a young man to come in and begin to see the wood from the trees. I love when I see young men and women of conviction. When some of us who are getting old in the faith can be a little bit uh, folding of the arms. A little just sit down, make life a little bit easier for ourselves. To see these young men and women coming on saying, hey, 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 you're forgetting. You're forgetting something. A passion was in him. Something powerful in him. He wasn't motivated by a woman by taxes or by finances, friends. He was motivated because there was something more powerful to motivate him. Nothing wrong with having a wife or a husband or living tax-free if you can do it or have a nice salary. But that's not what we live for. That's not our motivation. That's not why God has left us behind to fetter some way our own nest, friends, when the Bible is clear, when it says that we are pilgrims, a pilgrim is someone who's on a journey. So don't think your journey ends here at Cork Church or sitting in a red chair or just coming. Your journey ends when you get to heaven. Amen. And on that journey, we have things to do and things to accomplish. We are left in the world, friend, because there's an enemy here and he's a squatter. 
He has no legal right. Because at Calvary, our Savior came and he won the right to evict him. Amen. And he gave you the power to go and evict him. He gave you the power to go and stand against the powers of darkness and defy them. And all of Israel had missed the point. But not little David. Actually, I love this story because my grandchildren love this one. If you ever want to see a great, um, if you're a parent today and you've got kids going up, watch the Donut Repairman. That's all I'm going to say. And get the Goliath song out, okay? Donut Repairman, Goliath song, okay? Because Pastor Nick's grandchildren love it because I always play Goliath, of course, and I do the Goliath voice, and they love it. But there's a truth here. And David spoke to the men who stood by him saying these things. Now, Elab... His oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men and Elab's anger was aroused against David. And he said to them, why did you come down here? And what, who, who have you left those few sheep with in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. I love the old King James. The old King James says, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of your heart. You naughty little boy, David. Who told you come here and mount yourself here in this army? Who do you think you are to kind of stand up and talk to the fighting men of Israel? You naughty little boy. You're only here to have a snoop around. What can you do? I want to tell you, Christian, tonight, don't let, don't let anyone despise your youth. Whether you're young in the Lord or young in age. Once you have a revelation of God, be true to that revelation. Amen. Regardless of older brothers, even older brothers in the Lord. They can get it wrong from time to time, friends. And this, this older brother, he was, he was vexed with David. Because David's full of confidence. You know what? He showed his older brother up for what he was. Just a religious talker. Oh, he bore the garments. He looked like the tough dude. I remember an old friend of mine who's got to be with the Lord, B.H. Lindenham, a mighty man of God. He was a Marine soldier in World War II, fought the Japanese for three years without a breakout in the islands of the Pacific. Credible man of God. They don't make men like him anymore. But he said when he was in boot camp, he answered the call after Pearl Harbor. He said that, that rising sun will never fly in Texas as long as I have anything to do with it. And it, it, at 17, actually, he signed up. And they, they went to boot camp. He said, I went from being a farmer boy to a fighting machine in three months. They automated me. Left, right, left, right, up, down. He said, I didn't understand what all this was. Left, right, left, right. He said, he said, he automated me so that when the gunner surgeon said, duck, you ducked. And the guy that didn't was dead today. That's why they automated you. They hear, command, jump, go, jump, go. And if you didn't listen to that command, you're not around today, he said. He was an amazing, amazing man. He said in the back boot camp, he said, he said, I'm only a farmer boy coming from a country, you know, country part of America. And he said, but in boot camp, there was a guy in a mohawk. You know, the shaved side of mohawk. And he had debt before dishonor on his, on his arm. And then Dennis said, oh man, I'm going to hang out with him. He said, but the last time when we, st when we stormed those islands, the last time I saw was the military police carrying him away for dereliction in the face of the enemy. It's not those who talk to that, friends. And actually, in fact, the heroes of the Bible are the most unseemly heroes. And the Bible says it's not the strong. It's the weak that take the prey, the lame. It chooses God to fill ordinary people, to touch ordinary men and women, to do extraordinary things. So that the glory goes to him and he can show you that your life can matter. Something can happen through you, friends, that will have eternal consequences. In other words, your life would really matter. 
that it won't end with whatever epitaph they put upon your graves, but it will end in eternity when men and women will say, that's a life well lived. And when your works go before God to be burned up, they won't burn up as hay and stubble, but it will endure like precious stones and, and, and gold, the Bible says. And David said, what have I done now? So obviously this is big brother versus small brother syndrome. What have I done now? He's obviously in the back end of this man's anger all his life. But I love this, and many of us know this next phrase. He says, is there not a cause? You know, I was asking the Lord, because we have a missions team going away today to Lafayette, and thank God it's starting to drip, drip back for us to go back in missions. It's our heart. It's always been our heart at Core Church Missions. We've got a great mission that's been enduring the last three years, regardless of COVID, called Feed Cork, feeding and helping and encouraging men and women in our own country. But also, Jesus said, you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other most ends of the earth. It's not just about Cork City or Cork Church. It's about the wider work of God. And I just love that we're beginning to see that revive again. And I began to think as I was meditating in this message tonight, that is there not a cause? And that's what Natasha was saying. You know, that's exactly what she was saying. She just said it with different words. It's like, is the cause all about myself? A cause is a principle or an aim or a movement to which one is committed and which one is prepared to defend, live for, or die for. And he said to his brothers, is there not something to live for here? Is there not something to die for here? Is there not a cause? Every man who calls himself a man should be ready to rally for the testimony of God. Every woman who calls herself a woman of God should be taking her place on the ramparts. And that's his answer. Is there not a cause? And I want to say to you today, friends, in the midst of everything, thank you, sister, for sharing that tonight because it inspired me. The cause is not me sitting and whining about my poor life since COVID-19. The cause is the gospel of Jesus Christ. To go out and fight against an enemy that is terrorizing people, bringing them into darkness, bringing them into hell, breaking their marriages, breaking their bodies, breaking their minds. And God says there's a cause. And David knew it. And he knew that God had invested into him something of the spirit. We see that in David's life. He is so full of conviction. It didn't matter about his age. Word came back to Saul. You know, there's somebody talking big in the camp, Saul. Well, we've heard that before. You know, no, no, there's something different about this guy, Saul. There's something, there's something wild in his eyes. <laughs> he was ruddy, he's red. And definitely he's Irish because he was, he was red. Red-haired, freckles. David wasn't your traditional colored Arab. He was freckly and he was red-headed. Ruddy in appearance, but handsome as all the Irish are, of course. And of course, this... But there's something, there's, I, I, that's why I think we came from there. I think the Irish came from David. And not, not, you know, forget about the Jews. We came out of David for sure. Fighting spirit. Get in for, behind the cause. You know, and ready, ready to die. Ready to live for it. And Irish men and women, when they found the right cause, they would they'd lay down their lives greatly for it. Actually, I remember reading about the American Civil War. And General Lee said, had it not been that we ran out of Irishmen, the South would have never lost against the North. So that was a quote from Lee. There's best fighting men. Sorry, I'm getting off track about Irish tonight. Please forgive me. Amen. But there's something in this young man, and it comes to the attention of Saul. And to bring him to Saul, and, 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 and so you know, his, his words are big. Now, 
When the words which David spoke were heard, they reported to Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail him because your servant will go and fight the Philistine. <laughs> I just think the audacity of it. He said before the king, he's 15 years of age, you know. He's just come from the fields, all the fighting men are around. He has no armor on him. He's got nothing. He's just bought a few cheeses and he's bought a few breads and gave them to the officer for his brothers. Because back then, the, the king didn't feed you. Your own family had to feed you as you did service. I mean, that'll tell you how, how, how it was back then. There was nothing glorious about it. And yet he says to the king, let no man's heart fail him. Don't you love it? Don't you love when a man or a woman is gripped with God? Gripped with faith that sees the reality that they have a legal right to preach the gospel. They have a legal right to stand in the victory of Christ. They have a legal right to vanquish the enemy and tell you that enemy is no right over my family. That enemy is no right over my neighbor. That enemy is no right over my mind, over my life, over my health. Let no man's heart fail him. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine would be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Hallelujah. I pray God you give me the prowess as a Christian leader when I see such tenacity and boldness of heart to say to the congregation, go. Hallelujah. I had a young woman came to me recently. She's just a young Christian. I won't give her name. She said, Pastor Nick, she's full of God. She says, Pastor, she says, I just, since I got baptized, I just want to pray for everybody. I just feel God wants me to go to hospitals and put my hand on sick people and, 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 and pray for all my friends. And she said, is that okay? And I said, as long as you don't creep them out, keep doing it. Amen. If they're happy, you put a hand on their head, pray because God will hear you. I just loved her spirit. Amen. We're not going to put our hand on anyone unless they want us to do that. I mean, it's called physical integrity people have. But I want to tell you one thing. There was something in our spirit. And I didn't want to to douse that. I said, you go and you pray for as many as that will allow you to pray. Because God will answer you and God will give you miracles. Say amen. May we never douse the faith of another. Oh, Christian, don't you be the older brother. When you see someone coming through the ranks of the church, well, they're only whippersnappers. They're only saved a wet weekend. What do they know of the Bible? Best, they don't even know about eschatology. Bet they don't know anything about new mythology. But most of you don't either. But anyway, there we go. Yeah, there's a passion in them. Don't be like Iliab. Dampening the, the passion in that Christian. and that young Christian. Let him go forth. Let him go fight because God's with them. Hallelujah. God's in power. Oh, listen, as you go to Latvia, I want to tell you, when you go to Latvia, do not succumb to that pigeonholing that people are. Oh, you're just a quiet one. You've never given your testimony before. You've never preached. You've never laid hands on anyone. You've never shared the God. Enough of it. And God is bringing you. There's a cause. There's something to live for now. There's something to fight for. And this is the, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, of course. Saul, of course, tries to hijack David's you know, energy. And he says, okay, listen, try on my armor. I won't go through the readings, the long reading. And David tries on Saul's armor and just doesn't work. You know, sometimes you try to get people, make people do the way Pastor Nick does it, or Randy, or Patrick, or Steve. There's different ways of doing it, friends. Amen. 
Not every, thank God, not one size doesn't fit all in the body of Christ. Thank God there's diversity of gifts. Different types of personalities. Different ways, friends, of expressing the goodness and love and power of God. Thank God for that. Thank God. Well, you know, you may think Pasek's great accent and he's got uh, great oratory skills, which I don't think any of Thank God they're not all like me. And thank God they're not all like you. <laughs> what a boring world that would be. What a boring church. The diversity is phenomenal. In a world that today that, that tells you to celebrate diversity, we should truly be celebrating it in the house of God. Men and women, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different education, but the same spirit. The spirit of God. Hallelujah. Different accents, different ways of framing the same truth. Amen. Oh, praise God for it. So don't be like that. And David didn't, couldn't work in Saul's armor. Couldn't do it, friends. He could, he's, he's, not, he's not used to it. He can't fight that way. So we know the story. He took off. He took his own staff in his hand, verse 40. And he chose for himself five suits, smooth stones from the brook. Put them in the shepherd's bag in the pouch, which he had. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near the Philistines. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. That was really standing up. That must have really driven Goliath mad. Because something tells me that Goliath kind of looked like too close breeding, if you ask me. You know what I mean? Something, I don't, I don't think he was the prettiest, um, uh, you know, maybe he was. Maybe I wronged the poor man. But I think that even infuriated him more. He was a good-looking guy. As I said, he was Irish. You know? As I said, he was red and ruddy. And, uh, and, and, and he comes out and he is disgusted. They send out a boy. They send out this. I say it was the same disgust. When they took him on the night that he was betrayed. You claim to be God's, the Messiah. You claim to be the son of God. The same frowning. The same spirit, friends, because it's an anti-Christ spirit. It's an anti-God spirit. It didn't, it didn't assist David. Thank God it didn't assist Christ either. Philistine. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Blessed, when, blessed are you when men say all manners of evil against you because of my name's sake. That's what Jesus said. For great shall be your reward. It didn't assist David. Because David knew the end of the story, friends. David knew he had a legal right to fight him. David knew he had spiritual legal laws that, he, that God himself would have to summon his own power for his own name's sake, for his testimony's sake. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Don't be ashamed to preach the gospel because it's powerful. It works. It always works. It works everywhere. Every generation, every country, every social strata, every giant will fall. Every mountain, friends, will be leveled. The rough places will be made low. The valleys will be brought up. And there will be a highway for our God. And the Philistine said to David, come at me, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. I tell you, if that was any of us, let me tell you, I think we'd have to be wearing our brown trousers that day because that would be a very, very fearful event in our life. Not with David. Not with David. 
David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword, spear, and with a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass, uh, give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. Then all the assembly should know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into my hands. They're eternal words, friends. The battle is the Lord's. And God will deliver the giants into your hands. Stand, friends. Stand on the cross of Jesus Christ. You have a cause. You have a confidence cause, friends, to stand in the victory of Jesus so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone. He slung it, struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead. He fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. In the military museum in Tel Aviv, there's a history of all the great contraptions of war that were invented by man down through the age. Slings, huge rock throwers, etc., etc. And then you get to one little part in the wall, and there's a little sling. I want to tell you, friends, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not about your strength or my strength. It's not about how strong. It's not about, your, I, I'm going to say it, it's not about education. It's not about you. It's about him. He knew that God would have to guide that stone. He knew that God would have to give it more velocity than it would normally need to break through a helmet and break that man down. But he rushed towards him. He didn't rush away. He rushed in. I want to tell you, friends, rush into the work of God. Get involved. Get stuck in. Bring the devils down that are around your family, your homes, your communities. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. Don't be desisted. There is a cause. There's, worth some, there's something, friends. David's righteousness towards the Philistines showed a lack of faith with the older brothers and everybody else. A lack of faith in the cause. This is always the way, friends, when we see Christians backing away to preaching the gospel. You lack confidence, you lack faith. Can I encourage you today to take heart? Take heart. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. It's still able to raise the dead, friends. It's still able to change the drug addict. It's still able to change the alcoholic and the addicted. It's still able to heal the brokenhearted. It's still able to bring the healing balm of Gilead to every wound of life and touch you. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's a tragedy when you step out of the will of the Lord, friends. It's a tragedy when you step out of trying to fulfill the will of the Lord. Some of you have reverted to money, wives or husbands, slash, and taxes. And that's the size of your world. And that's your motivation now. You will never, ever lift a finger against the powers of darkness. You will live in mediocrity, and that's not what God would have for you. Because God says, I used a 15-year-old boy and I brought down a giant and I changed the course of history. And if you would only stand for me and get involved in my, my cause and pick up the cause of the cross again, friends. 
David was undeterred. And so should we, friends. It's for God's honor to live as Christ and to die as gain. You couldn't have killed David. He already died, friends. He had put his, hands into, his life into the hands of God so many times. If I die, I die, but I died the right way. David ran into the battle. I want to tell you there's a freedom for you and God to run this race today. To run the Christian race, to fight the good fight. There's a freedom to fight the good fight, to keep the faith, friends. There is a cause worth living for and dying for. The battle is the Lord's. Don't be arguing with anybody. Don't be arguing with yourself. Settle the argument tonight in your heart, Christian. I see these 17. I wish I was the 18th person going to Latvia. Well, God will give you an opportunity to go there or somewhere for him to locate him. But tomorrow morning, you go to the workplace or the school place or wherever it is, and there's a cause there. There's giants to be slayed. There's a testimony to be lifted. Don't let anyone desist you. Tell them, get behind me, Satan. And if it's your own demons in your head, so I rebuke those thoughts in Jesus' name. I will stand for the battle belongs to the Lord. There's a cause. There's something worth living for. There's certain what, something worth dying for. May God encourage you. And may you, young men and women, and I know there's only a portion up here tonight that are going to Latvia, be an inspiration not just to others in this church, but to others around the world and, and the church in Latvia, of just simple men and women, because that's what we be, folks, is simple. Not many of you, the Bible says, were educated. Not many of you came from the right side of town. Not many of you came with money. Not many of you come from money. None, not many of you came with a silver spoon in your mouth. But it pleased the Father to reveal his son in you. And that's what David did. He simply let God do the talking at the end of the day because he knew who he was talking about. I pray tonight that if you have been slack as a Christian in the cause, that something inside you say, oh God, I'm weary, but I am committing to the cause tonight. Infusing me again a David's spirit. Infusing me again, Lord, a desire to see your testimony raised. When I look around and see such awfulness and such darkness in our society, men calling evil good and good evil. Evil would only ever keep going, friends, if good men sit down and do nothing and say nothing. I'm sorry I'd stand up and say, I still believe marriage in God's eyes is a man and a woman for life. I'll still say, regardless of what people say, friends, that gender is not malleable. God made you a man. God made you a woman. If you're not comfortable with that, God will meet you and help you to be comfortable with that. I'll still stand and say that the baby in the womb today, thank God, regardless of whether it's popular, regardless of what people think, because this is the causes today, friends, for us to stand and share our voice and let our voice be known. And may it not be said that on our, under our watch as Christians that we were quiet in the day of need, friends. That we were quiet when there was a silent catastrophe happening. The most dangerous place on this planet for a baby is in his mother's womb today, statistically. I tell you, friends, there's causes, causes everywhere. And we should be praying for all those things. But the greatest cause, and the one we're completely living and dying for, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That changes men from the, and women from the inside out. That orders your mind forgives your sins, gives you peace and helps you to put your head down in your pillow at night time and close your eyes with the sleep of peace upon your soul. Will you stand with me tonight as we go to God in prayer? I'm going to pray one last time for our brothers and sisters as they go to Latvia. Hallelujah. But we have to pray for ourselves. You have to pray for yourself. You have to say, I do need, I do need to get back into the, the cause of the gospel. 
I'm going to challenge you, Christian. If there's one here, every eye closed for a moment, please, every head bowed. Is there one here tonight? Nobody looking at anyone, please. Please just close your eyes. You've no respect for this moment. Is there one here tonight? Is there a Christian? Is there a person tonight that says, I want with all my heart to commit myself to the cause of the gospel? Put your hand up and we'll pray from here for you that God will hear you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you too. Hallelujah. God bless you. Anyone else tonight? God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. That somehow you become a little slack as a Christian. Anyone tonight say, oh, I've slacked off a little bit. I've, I've, lost, I've lost focus. But, you know, you know, get online. We've all done it. But it comes these moments of revelation where we simply come back and say, God, I'm committing all that I have to you again. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause when you go out these streets tonight and you see the brokenness, the suicide and the awfulness that's breaking upon our world? Father, I pray for those who are, Lord, just saying in their hearts tonight, Lord, like David, Lord, I'm here. It's me, Lord. I, I want to stand. I want to preach. I want to declare the righteousness of God. I want to share the truth. I want to stand against the Goliath. I want to stand against the darkness that is tormenting and terrorizing people. And I pray right now, God, that you fill them with such conviction that you've heard their prayer, Lord, that they will leave here, Lord, quite changed, oh God. And Lord, tomorrow when they wait, Lord, their feeling will not have evaporated, but Lord, they will walk, Lord, with the awareness of who they are. With the awareness of, Lord, what you've called them to do and be. Help them, I pray, God. These are your children, Lord. They're my friends, my brothers and my sisters. And I know they love you, Lord God. Some have taken the battering over the years, Lord. But Lord, I thank you tonight, Lord. You remind them that there is a cause. It's worth everything. It's worth everything. We thank you, Lord, tonight for being with us. We thank you, Lord, for the sweet fellowship we've had, Lord, even on this lovely summer's night, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that we're here with you and you are here with us. And we want to say we love you, Lord. And Lord, I would just say this in my prayer for anyone that's watching from afar or at a later time, God, that you would stir their heart, Lord God, to greater righteousness, a greater expression of who you are. And I pray the church will rise up out of the ashes like the, like the phoenix, Lord God, and soar again and declare the praises of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the cause that you brought us, the only great cause worth fighting for, Lord. And if needs be laid down our lives, Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise tonight. God bless you all. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.